Hello and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we keep you up to date with the latest trends, drivers and moves in livestock, grain and oilseed and fibre markets. My name is Olivia Agar. Thanks for listening into episode 233. The wool market's been in a difficult position over the last few months, both in terms of supply and demand. Today, we're very lucky to be joined by Mark Symes, wool manager G. Schneider. And for those that aren't familiar, G. Schneider is a household name in the trade of fine wool and specialty fibres, supplying some of the finest spinners and weavers in the world. There's some really great insights in today's episode from understanding what's driving the wool market at the moment, including what's happening in a global sense with mill activity and demand, as well as the premiums for quality assured systems like RWS wool, and some of the challenges around quality that we're seeing this season. Before we get into the episode, as always, a quick look at some of the major market moves this week. And after losses at the end of May in the global wheat market, we have seen a bit of stability return, and that's been driven by concerns about the Chinese wheat crop harvest, rain in the dry US plains, and of course, there's got to be some concerns that Russia isn't complying with the newly renewed grain initiative. Now, it was another tough week for the lamb market with heavy price falls across all categories. It really is a quality and supply issue which is pushing prices down as buyers are being selective and team that with reports of processes being booked out for some months and the next crop of lambs not being that far away. There's very little to lift the lamb market at the moment. I'll leave it there today. Enjoy the episode with Mark Symes and Robert Herman. Okay, Mark Symes, welcome back to Commodity Conversations. Good to talk to you again. Good to talk to you too, Rob. Now, we're talking about the wool industry, obviously, and wool. Um, We've had some pretty tough times, and I noticed that uh, in Ethan's wool report last week, his headline was that, uh, you know, know when to hold them. Um, We're speaking to you after day one of selling of this week. Uh, How did it go this week? Uh, Yeah, very positive today, uh, Rob. Um, The market seems to have uh, turned the corner. Um, much more um, positive activity from from the indent buyers coming out of China. Um, we're hearing uh, news of uh, some good amount of business being done over the weekend. Um, the prices are not setting the world on fire, but um, at least they're they're very positive and, and around market level. Um, so add you know add all the indent buyers um, into the mix, plus uh, greasy wool traders. Um, you know, it, it sets the scene for a, a much more positive uh, positive market. Now, we, we noticed last week that, um, you know, growers weren't that excited about the market. And in fact, I think 27% of what was offered was passed in uh, and there was wool withdrawn. And again, this week, there was a fair bit of wool withdrawn. How does that impact on the um, buying activity, Mark? Yeah, it has, it has a positive impact, actually, Rob. Um, you know, we see that today with a couple of hundred lots withdrawn prior to sale. Um, actually puts a bit of a squeeze in the market and reduces the pool of wool available uh, for buyers to um, supply, uh, you know, commit to contracts. Um, so, um, you know, I don't mind the, the actual process of, of growers reserving and passing in their wool and, and uh you know, not accepting, uh, you know, in terms of if you want to look at a, a fire sale situation where they just accept any price as the market goes into freefall, um, they actually have a, you know, play a, a, an important part in in setting the scene for, for the market activity. 
Now, we were seeing the impact, Mark, of the effects of last season, I suppose, um, you know, where we had pretty wet season and then a fair bit of grass grows and a fair bit of VM. So it affects the quality of the wool on offer. Um, can you tell us how this impacts you guys when you're trying to fill up buying orders? Um, is it more difficult or do the orders just adjust to meet the offering? In some some small cases, the um, the orders adjust to meet the offering because um, obviously uh, an offering, as we're seeing at the moment, which is, um, you know, covered in excessive uh, VM, um, you know, with the long prolonged wet season that we've had, um, you know, colour and, and cotted wool is obviously playing its part uh, in shaping the market also. Um, whilst there's some opportunities in, you know, for double combing and um, carbonising and um, other processes, um, it actually, you know, reduces the pool of wool, valuable wool that, that is needed for uh, many of the players being Chinese, European, Indian, that require, you know, wool to average around 1% over their, over their parcels. So um, you can see that, you know, it actually, um, you know, has a, a positive effect in the sense that, it, again, like passing in wool and, and uh, you know, withdrawing wool, um, it reduces the pool available to buyers to supply to their clients. Now, we've seen the market sliding in recent weeks, Mark. It probably found it, the wool market's found its back against the wall a bit as prices have sort of come back across the board. Is that due to the demand waning or is it going back to this issue of quality? Is that impacting on, on the demand for, for the wool at this stage? Oh, there, there's uh, several factors, but the overriding factor is is low demand and and oversupply. Um, that's that's been the probably the last five or six weeks activity um, has has been difficult to to place orders in the market um, or you know try and uh, procure orders from from overseas. Um, anybody who uh, processes wool in China and and exports out of that market um, has been uh, finding it very slow and difficult with all the, the uh, financial um, burdens in terms of currency and, and cash flows. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, it's difficult to, to manage. Um, you know, uh, selection has been part of the problem. The selections is driving the market as we've just spoken about with, um, with uh, wolves that, a large pool of wolves that are unsuitable um, for for buyers to be able to meet the the demands of their clients, um, but yeah, the, the overriding factor is is uh, slow demand and and uh, oversupply. So I'm talking today to Mark Symes from um, G Schneider, who are you know significant exporters, especially of the higher grade wools uh, coming out of Australia. And one of the things we've talked about you and to you in the past, Mark, is the quality assured systems, particularly. Um, the responsible wool standard, uh, it still appears to be attracting premiums. And uh, even though it, the latest analysis has shown that those premiums aren't as large as what they were perhaps 12 months ago, they're still significant and they're still in the market. Is that your reading? Yeah, that's exactly um, the state of play, uh, Rob. The RWS um, accredited wools for 18.5 micron and finer the, um, you're absolutely correct. The premiums have disappeared in that area um, because it, it's very difficult to get a commitment from brand partners um, in for a long term, um, and that's what we're we're trying to you know assist uh, farms or farmers here in Australia to um, to 
you know, uh, send wool through the supply chain, but in a, um, a circular um, situation where they come back to the same supplier or the same yeah. brand partner, um, where, you know, that um, it's been very hard to uh, promote um, a higher price for the RWS wool um, because when it first started, um, there was a bit of a frenzy and, and the price went up uh, very excessive um, and probably a lot more than what the market could absorb and, uh, and wasn't sustainable at, I think at some point it got to about 25% above the market. Um, now it's at back at a more realistic level um, where, where brand partners are happy, more happy to, to look at, at uh, paying those levels. Um, but it, it definitely it's aligned with what you mentioned about uh, quality. Um, we've had varying um, reports of, of quality issues over, over a two or three year period. Um, so that obviously um, puts pressure on the market in that RWS space. Yes, of course, we, we understand that the um, RWS will, doesn't make any sort of statements or any requirements on clip preparation and, and, and the way the wool's classed per se. Um, but I think what we're hearing, Mark, is that um, the customs are saying, well, while we want it RWS accredited, we also want, um, you know, a high level of preparation and, and, uh, and clip standards. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really important um, key point uh, for any any uh, assurance program, whether it's uh, an animal welfare um, program or a quality assurance program. Um, quality is the key. Um, you know, quality of, of any program um, is is testament to a success. So, um, you know, whilst whilst RWS in a, in its appearance to begin with was was um, what well, is the gold standard um, globally, um, there has to be a quality aspect to it to be able to meet the demands of, of brand partners and spinners, weavers, knitters, all, all every step down the supply chain. Um, so I think anyone who's uh, taking the journey and making the decision to head down um, you know, a, a quality assured path or, a, or an animal welfare path that um, you know, quality has to be at the forefront of, of their thinking. And that go, that's a good point, Mark, because that goes across all aspects of your, um, your production system and your preparation system right through to the marketing and how you actually deliver the wool. I noticed coming out of IWTO conference in Kyoto um, just last week, um, there were especially fine wool producers who were making a, a really strong point. They are unhappy with clip preparation in general. Um, some lots uh, were included in the RWS program. It's um, this is sort of a story you and I have both been in the wool industry, you know, almost a similar time. It's something we've been hearing forever, almost. Mark, um, what do you think we should be trying to do about this and and trying to address this? Well, I think um, you know. It, obviously, there are there are quality concerns, but it, it really has to be uh, controlled by by the buyer. Um, we're at the coalface, we're we're assessing the wool, and and we have to really inform our our brand partners that uh, if if and be honest, and and if the wool isn't up to scratch, even though it's part of a um, an integrity scheme, um, that we shouldn't buy it just. For the for the you know the letters that are associated with it or the what it what it actually stands for, um, there has to be we have to maintain a quality standard according to our clients 
um, types and, and conditions and specifications. Um, otherwise, if we start, just like anything, if you, you start off with a, a bad batch, it's only going to compound the problem through every stage of processing. Yeah. Mark, we've just been talking about um, these, you, you call them brand partners, call them customers of RWS, whatever you like. Um, wh who are they and and what what's their objectives with branded war? Is it, is it, are they getting the sort of advantages that they're hoping to get by connecting to, you know, further down the farm? Brand partners is, is very, it's a very wide spectrum. Um, you know, it, it can be brand partners for us as a, as a top maker or a processor of wool, uh, you know, our brand partners can be spinners, weavers and, and knitters. Um, brand partners for somebody else um, can be a retailer, can be, uh, you know, there's high fashion brands, uh, leisure wear brands. Um, and uh, I suppose the overriding message that they're trying to send is, is uh, one of sustainability and, and traceability um, right back to, to the growing of the wool. Um, being able to tell the story, whether that's one of generational change, um, one of, um, you know, uh, regenerative farming, um, carbon farming, whatever, that, whatever their, their pathway or their journey is. Um, as I say, it's a very wide spectrum and, and uh, you know, they're trying to promote, um, you know, to their consumer that the, the product that the consumer is wearing has been sourced responsibly through every stage of the supply chain. And look, it's a it's a terrific idea, and it's something we've always espoused to Mark. And to be honest, this is about the first time I've seen, you know, the program have a real chance. So, so we need to support it as much as we can. We also need to uh, keep getting the feedback um, via, you know, people like yourself, Mark, as to how it's all going. Let's just get the crystal ball out for a minute, Mark. What what do you see as a head for fine wool prices over the next six months or so? Oh, look, um, it's going to be challenging, Rob. There's no two ways about it. It's, um, you know, uh, Europe, the word coming out of Europe is um, slow but steady. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're just about to embark, you know, through July, August is general, traditionally their summer holiday period. Um, so, you know, their focus on buying a large volume of wool through this period will be, will be somewhat reduced. But that matches, you know, the, the period that we're in of low lower supply of the high quality fine wool. Um, so whilst things are slow, um, as I said, they're steady. Um, if you have if you have the product um, in on the shelf, sitting on the shelf, you can sell sell it tomorrow. So there's quite um, enthusiastic um, activity, you know, for prompt stock. But uh, for longer term, it, it becomes more problematic because um, there's limited processing space um, within Europe and uh, the mills are, are generally booked out till September, October. So, um, you know, we definitely will see a bit of a, a slow period, which is, which is traditional through July, August um, for coming out of Europe. Um, China for, for the finals. China and uh, India are a little bit different. Um, you know, we've probably seen the slow period uh, coming in you know, with China with uh, low, lower demand and we're just starting to, it feels as though we're just starting to turn the corner um, in terms of activity. Local processes in China are still pessimistic and, and very cautious, but uh, the larger indent buyers are still accumulating their, their regular volumes and competing uh, fiercely in the sale room. 
you know, whether whether the price is up a dollar or down a dollar, they're still uh, trying to, you know, procure the, the type of wool that they need, which, as we've talked about earlier today, um, is difficult in, in through this period, which is, you know, we haven't seen this level of VM and, and uh, um, you know, burr, seed, dust, the lower yielding wools, um, which is strange for, for a period of, you know, that we've had for prolonged uh, wet seasons, but we're still seeing some of those lower yielding wools. But um, one of the far reaching problems is colour, colour and cotton wool, um, you know, is affecting the, the, um, the selection as well. Um, sorry, getting back on the demand. Um, yeah, so uh, pes uh, pessimism is probably the key, um, but but it's uh, also you know there's a quiet optimism there that you know beyond uh, the long break in in the end of July, early August, um, that things should be on the improve. Um, but it all always heavily on um, on you know the processes that are able to export um, freely and actively and and you know get cash flows turning over and, and uh, moving um, we should see you know a market that probably has a steady rise from that September through to December period rather than uh, peaks and troughs that we experience um, you know in the past um, I think we've seen even from January till now it's been a fairly steady market which was um, a bit of a surprise to the Chinese they thought it was going to be a much cheaper market through this period but we've been able to absorb, you know, 40,000 plus sales weekly, um, you know, from January through till now. And uh, we're only just seeing, you know, the four-week forecast starts to drop off in the next few weeks back to 30,000 bars nationally. So, um, you know, this, this will all play on the minds of the, of the processes and, and um, you know, uh, are they going to be able to fulfil their orders with, uh, lower volume and uh, higher, you know, with a selection that has higher VM and problematic in terms of their processing, uh, which reduces the pool of the actual wool that they require. So, um, you know, I think uh, I don't think it's doom and gloom stage at this at this point. Uh, but you know, it won't be. I don't think we'll. You know, we probably won't see the indicator get back to where it was at this point. You know, this time last year, which is about a dollar. You know, a dollar above where it sits today. Mm. Yeah. Yes, it's, you make an interesting point, Mark, that, um, you know, since January, we have cleared on average 40,000 bars. Last week was was nowhere near that, of course. But, um, you know, in the last three years, I think we've averaged mid-30s, 30,000 bars a week. So, um, you know, there is the, the wool is flowing. I, um, I always get asked, and I hesitate to ask you, Mark, but do you want to make any comment about crossbred prices? Because I've got to tell you, I've got no idea. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, unfortunately, it's not an area of expertise for us, you know, being uh, super fine wool buyers. Um, yeah, it's very difficult. Um, you know, there's, uh, um, you know, this wave of business uh, comes and goes and, and uh, you know, it only moves within a 30 or 40 cent range um, at the moment. And, and I think that's what we're faced with for probably some quite some time. Again, it's, a, it's an oversupply and, and uh, low demand uh, Part of the market, you know, as uh, people turn to to fatland production for you know another revenue stream, um, you know that creates problems. You know, the wool have in a lot of cases the wool has to be harvested and, and sold through the system. So we we're getting a lot of hybrid, um, you know, style crossbred wools in the lambs and um, and even in in the full length crossbreds. You know, it's um, it's a bit of a minefield. You know, with colour and medullated fibre and um, it's yeah. quite difficult again to to supply 
in the clients with the type of wool that they require. I think uh, I think it's a crossbred wool is a good example of how uh, markets can move quite dramatically because I noticed that um, I think um, Ethan told us today we just put out our percentile charts and 28 micron is at its lowest percentile in the last 10 years. Um, whereas we go back three or four years ago and it was at its highest percentile. So it um, it moves around quite a bit. And, and I suppose that's the hope for the future. Um, Mark, look, we um, we really appreciate your uh, comments and, and the time you give us. And, uh, and we watch with interest what your company, um, the Schneider Group, do in terms of promoting fine wool. Um, I don't think it should be underestimated how important the role that um, that the exporters and particularly those exporters like yourselves, Mark, who want to um, you know promote Australian wool and promote Australian wool producers. Uh, so we thank you very much for your time. And look, if there's any chance that we can catch up again in the future and hear some more updates on how this is all going, we'd love to talk to you again. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Thanks for the opportunity, and um, we really enjoy getting out to to meet farmers we've, we've uh, recently done some uh, grower information days and nights and um, we look forward to, to being able to tell our story and and what our our main message is is what what we're about is to help uh, wool growers tell their stories and and those stories of um, you know as I mentioned before generational and environmental changes as we move forward and and as the younger generation of farmers um, start to to um, take over from from their parents and their grandparents, and using um, you know the use of science and and experience merging together to to you know create good outcomes for everybody. Well, it's uh, it's it takes me back, Mark, because as I said, we started together in the wool industry a long, long time ago. But uh, it does get in your blood, doesn't it? And uh, and when you see the sort of opportunities that your company's progressing, um, it keeps us all excited. Yeah, it keeps us excited. And, and, uh, and you know, I've, I've got a particular passion like you, um, you know, from from the wool buying side, but um, also, you know, a story of generational change with my son joining yeah. us a couple of years ago and and seeing him uh, evolve and, and loving the industry as well. It's, um, it makes you feel very proud. Yeah, well, fantastic. And we feel very, um, very privileged that we can chat to you, Mark. So thanks very much for your time. Thanks for coming on Commodity Conversations and all the best to you and your family. And uh, maybe one day we'll have the young fella on. He can give us his take on things. Most definitely. I think it's it's probably time to uh, cast <laughs> off the old dinosaurs like me and uh, let the young guys uh, take the reins and, uh, and uh, you know, speak yeah. to uh, to the new generation. Yeah, no, that'd be fantastic. Thanks very much, Mark. All the best. Thanks, Rob. Take care.